It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Profoundly Pointless. My name is Nick. Hold your breath, because in this episode, you're going to need it. Beyond 25, 30 meters, I don't need to kick anymore. I, my lungs compress so much that I start becoming negatively buoyant, and I go into my favorite part of the dive called the sink phase. Most issues are going to arise actually on the way down. Uh, most blackouts actually occur on the way back up. You know, uh, we all have naturally long breath hold because that's how long it takes for our bodies to actually consume oxygen. It's just most people quit their breath hold because they start getting an urge to breathe. You have a body type that would allow you to block the milk. And maybe they were instead of saying, hey, chunky trunks, why don't you get out of the way? The chocolate milk and ice cream is down the aisle. They said, is this where the milk is? Who knows what's up there? Who knows if it's even what we think it is? So then what's your your alternative? Just not do anything? Stay home, play I mean, PlayStation? Fucking, you know, get some of these stupid people up there, strap their asses in the rockets, and see how many pictures they can draw. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Maybe you have a great point. Maybe we've been doing this all wrong. Like, we've been sending <laughs> smart people into space, and we really need to be sending the stupid people. I mean, they're just, I don't know, I, I've never gotten any joy out of anything involving a turtle. I want to thank you guys so much for joining us. If you get a chance, like, download, subscribe, share. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. Something that I've always been really afraid of is drowning. That to me just sounds terrible. I want to mention this because I found our first guest on Instagram and it was somebody that just seemed fascinating. What they were doing just seemed fascinating to me. But my fear of drowning I think I let seep into the interview a little bit more than I should because it's not something that's really going to happen to somebody who is doing this. Our first guest is Daniel Koval, who is a national record-holding freediver. If you don't know what that is, you're about to find out. Before we go ahead and play this interview, though, I want to mention we had a couple of spots where there was some audio trouble, mainly because... I messed it up, but it's only in a couple of spots, and it goes by pretty quick. So just keep listening, because I think it's a fascinating interview. In terms of free diving, how did you get into that? Um, I started out spearfishing uh, when I was younger. My dad got me like a pole spear for Christmas, and uh, you give a little kid something to shoot things with, they're going to go out and do it. So uh, that's sort of how I started and got into free diving. Is uh, I think I was around 12, 13 years old, and I started uh, diving in Southern California trying to spearfish. Now, spearfishing, is that, besides exactly what that sounds like, what are you doing spearfishing? So it's all on breath hold, so it's done free diving. And um, at the time, I had like this, you know, it was a pole spear, so basically a pole with a spear on the end of it. 
And then on the other end, it has like a rubber band, a big giant rubber band. So uh, you use that to spear fish with, or um, now I use a gun to spear fish with. It's uh, basically, you know, 110 centimeter gun with a shaft and uh, the same like rubber band type material, two rubber bands. And I pull it back and uh when you shoot the trigger it releases the shaft and goes into the fish (laughs) that that seems incredibly difficult or inefficient i mean it seems like it would be really hard to shoot a fish underwater i can be yes um california is a little bit easier in hawaii where i live now um but yeah it can be difficult it's because the fish is moving in such a I mean, I feel like a land animal, you can kind of predict which way they're going to go. I mean, with the fish and the water, is that why that's difficult? Yeah, it is sort of like hunting on land, actually. Um, You can sort of stock fish a little bit, but actually, you know, us as spear fishermen, we don't tend to actually stock fish. We actually try and get them interested in us so we try and bring the fish to us by making like grunting noises or you know something underwater kicking up some sand and uh, the fish has never may have never seen something like me do this so they become interested and they actually come close to us so we try and attract the fish to us so that we can get close enough to get a a shot off i would imagine you're you're going for bigger fish. It's not like you're out there shooting sardines or anything. Here in Hawaii, a lot of our reef fish is actually pretty small. Um, you know, anywhere from one to three pound fish. Um, there are some fish that I like to hunt that are like in the 20 pounds, 15 to 20 pound range. And then you got blue water fish, which are, you know, they can get 100 pounds or 60 pounds. The spear fishing, how did that transition into into the, the, the free diving? We have spear fishing tournaments where we go out and shoot invasive species like we don't want on the reef. So uh, spear fishermen are some of the only people that can kill uh, these type of fish because they're reef fish and they're hard to actually um, fish for. You get used to doing these spearfishing tournaments, and then once spearfishing doesn't become so hard anymore because you're diving much deeper, um, then I ended up getting into freediving, uh, like competitive freediving. For somebody who doesn't know necessarily what that is, what is it? I mean, there's multiple disciplines. So there's pool disciplines, and then there is depth disciplines. I mainly focus on depth disciplines. And it is basically you take a, you know, your biggest breath you can possibly take and then you kick down or you pull down or you swim down with no fins uh, to your intended depth, max depth, and then you got to come back to the surface by swimming using the same discipline. The, the breath, you have to, it's, it, you have to go down as far as you can. It's not like you can, you get it to a certain depth and then you can take a breath from somebody who's with you you've got it's all you right yeah there's no one down there but me (laughs) so uh no one can uh you know scuba divers is that we actually don't have them anymore in our competitive uh uh, well our competitions anymore just because it's more dangerous for scuba divers to make deep dives than it is for us 
So there's no one down there. Uh, we do have a dive-eye now, which is like a drone that follows us all the way down, but they don't have oxygen or anything like that. Plus, uh, it's really dangerous for us to breathe any air at depth because as our lungs, as we dive down, our lungs compress. So when you take a breath at depth from a scuba tank or something, they re-expand back to their normal size. So if you were to come back up, your lungs would over-expand and you can, you know, uh, pop long, basically. So, I mean, it's it's very possible that you could die doing this. Uh, yeah, there has been uh, deaths in freediving, and it's usually done, people usually die because they're doing it unsafely or uh, they're not listening to their body or something like that. But uh, now the safety in competitive freediving is actually very good. Now, what the scuba dive, why would it be more dangerous for a scuba diver to go down with you, for the scuba diver themselves? Because scuba divers, uh, you know, rebreather divers or tech divers that would have to go down to 400 feet or something, they have to mix gases, they can get nitrogen narcosis down there, and they can just drift away. <laughs> or uh, we've, you know, that's happened in the past where actually scuba divers, they, you know, get nitrogen narcosis, which is basically a feeling of being drunk at depth. And they come off their line or something and just drift away. And it's not like they can make a quick ascent back to the surface because then they have uh, issues with decompression sickness and they can die from that. So it actually, they have to deal with a lot more variables than we do. Uh, I mean, our lungs compress as we go down, they re-expand as we come back to the surface. Uh, we do risk the chance of actually getting decompression sickness on our very deep dives. Not usually as bad. Uh, we, we can come up pretty quickly and breathe, though, too, when we get back to the surface. So then it, it seems that the, the biggest decision would be how do you know when to turn around to make sure that you can get back? Yeah, so we can follow a line, and uh, at the end of the line, is a bottom plate so we can and we're hooked into the line with a lanyard so we cannot go any deeper than what we set that bottom plate at so uh for us competitive freedivers uh during these competitions we have to announce our dives the day before and then the day of the competition or the next day that's the max depth we can go to so uh for instance you know, if I set, if I announce a depth of 102 meters, that's what will, the bottom plate will be. I would not be able to go any deeper than that. Ideal for us to announce something that we're most likely going to make, because if you don't make it to your intended depth, then you get points taken off. Well, how do you kind of know then going into it, if let's say you feel like you can do 102 the day before, and then you just have a bad day, and you aren't capable of doing that and you've overextended yourself going down uh yeah i mean we do train for this so uh most issues are getting arise actually on the way down uh most blackouts actually occur on the way back up and it's due to uh laws of partial pressure so as we go down the oxygen is being fueled into our blood into our tissues really well 
So it's when we turn around and come up that now our blood pressure is dropping and um, uh, the gas isn't moving as well. Plus, we've used a lot of oxygen on the entire dive. So actually, most blackouts end up happening just a few feet below the surface or at the surface or maybe 15 feet below the surface, as this is where the biggest pressure changes are taking place. When's the last time that you blacked out? I actually blacked out on the last time was my uh, first attempt at the U.S. national record 102 meters. It was the first day of the vertical blue freediving competition in the Bahamas. So, what what is that like? It's just like falling asleep. But you're underwater, which seems to be more of a problem, you know? Yeah. So uh, luckily I had a good safety team. I literally blacked out at the surface or maybe a meter below the surface. So they just brought me back to the surface and, you know, I got a little bit of oxygen back into me and then I recovered and I was fine. I took a day off the next day and then, you know, two days later I came back out there and did the dive. For somebody like me who doesn't know much about it, is it more dangerous or is it sorry is it less dangerous than i think it is or are you just used to it we actually teach all the safety for freediving in like our beginner courses that various uh, freediving organizations have so uh you know the i'm actually a freediving instructor with uh freediving instructors international and so uh this is you know, we teach the basics for safety in our level one course. So, you know, we sort of explain the risks involved uh, and how to safety them. Like there is always that you can potentially have a lost motor control or blackout. So these are the most common hypoxic issues that people would have towards the end of their dives and they're actually very easy to save like as long as you just keep the person's airway out of the water they're going to start breathing again and then they recover so uh, it is actually not as dangerous as scuba diving as uh, scuba diving you risk a lot more injuries um, because you're breathing gases basically at depth which our body's not meant to do our bodies are actually meant to hold our breath and dive down that's why we have uh these physiological reflexes in our bodies called mammalian diving reflexes so i guess the obvious question is how long can you hold your breath i hold my breath a little over six minutes holy crap man so when you first started like how long could you hold your breath for as opposed to now before I ever took a course or anything like that, I think my max core, uh, my max breath hold was maybe a minute or something like that. Um, and then we go pretty in depth. Actually, everyone has naturally a long breath hold. Even in my level one course, the first day of my level one beginner course, I get people holding their breath anywhere from three, three to four minutes. So. It, you know, uh, we all have naturally long breath hold because that's how long it takes for our bodies to actually consume oxygen. It's just most people quit their breath hold because they start getting an urge to breathe. But if, uh, you know, you would look up what hypoxic symptoms feel like, none of them are actually an urge to breathe. So that comes from actually high CO2. So, so me like sitting here, I could essentially hold my breath much longer than I actually think that I could. Yeah, once you just 
you know, start feeling that urge to breathe, you just deal with it. Um, as it's just high CO2. I like to tell people it's like lactic acid building up in your muscles. When you go out for a jog or you ride up, uh, you're riding your bike up a hill or something and your legs are burning, doesn't mean you have to stop riding your bike or running or anything. No, you can push through the pain, right? It's the same thing with dealing with uh, carbon dioxide when you're holding your breath. Is just because you're having this urge to breathe doesn't mean you actually have to breathe. You can continue to hold your breath. So but then if you can hold your breath, so what you said, like basically six and a half minutes, when will you start feeling like, oh my God, I need to take a breath? Around two, two and a half minutes. Wow, that's a lot faster than I thought you were going to say. So I, I get contractions quite early. Some people get contractions or that urge to breathe really late. Uh, everyone's sort of different. Is it painful? I mean, does it start to become painful at some point? No, it just feels like a hiccup. And then like uh, the hiccups start getting more and more intense, except the hiccup is sort of coming from your chest. So then when you train for something like this, how do you? what, what kind of training do you do? Uh, it's a lot of mental training. So, because we can all, all hold our breath for a really long time, you have to train the mind to be able to handle this and be able to uh, stay relaxed while dealing with this urge to breathe. That's the issue with most people is they start tensing up and that causes them to burn oxygen much quicker than they should. So uh, they run out of oxygen faster. So you have to train your body, train your mind to relax through this urge to breathe. Um, but that's not actually the most difficult thing usually on our deep dives. Uh, equalizing to that, uh, equalizing is usually the biggest issue on our deep dives. So equalizing, what I have an idea of what that is, but you have much of a better idea, I think. What is that exactly? Yeah, so just like how you would equalize your ears when you hop on an airplane and you go up in altitude and you feel your ears, they, they sort of need to pressurize or they need to pop. Um, that feeling, we have to do that all the way down on our dives. So the biggest issue is once your lungs get compressed uh, to the point of residual volume, which could be as early as 50 meters, uh, we have to be able to equalize deeper than that. And that's, you know, when we have no air in our lungs left to use for equalization, then we have to use just air inside our mouth. And that's where most people start running into uh, more issues. Can you tell the difference between 100, 200, 300 feet? I mean, can you really tell it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Is that just so, because in terms of the pressure or how do you know? Well, you can feel the pressure. Um, I mean, I also have alarms on my watch that can tell me how deep I am, but I can sort of feel uh, just by how negatively buoyant I start becoming. Um, around 10 meters, I sort of like to be neutrally buoyant. So I can count my kick cycles. I can count equalizations. That sort of keeps me on track of uh, how deep I get. But beyond 25, 30 meters, I don't need to kick anymore. I, my lungs compress so much that I start becoming negatively buoyant. And I go into my favorite part of the dive called the sink phase, where I just have to focus on my equalization and relaxing. Oh, so you're, so, not, really, you're not really kicking then? Not all the way down, no. 
would it be more advantageous to kick or is that would just waste up the oxygen? Yeah, just waste oxygen. So uh, that's our time to really relax and just let the ocean's gravity pull us down. That seems like that'd be a little intense for me. Just sinking, you just sink to the bottom, basically, huh? Yeah, you have to accept whatever's around you and uh, just let yourself go. So this is where the mental training uh, really comes into play. You have to, uh, no matter what happens, you have to stay as relaxed as possible. Because if you don't, um, you can actually injure your respiratory system. So one of the another injury that you can possibly get in freediving is called getting squeezed or a squeeze. Um, basically, as you're going down, if you look up or if you tense up at depth, you can rupture capillaries, which are very thin-walled blood vessels inside your respiratory system, and it can cause you to bleed. So when you come up from your dive, you, you may be spitting up blood if you tense up or equalize wrong or um, lift your head up on on the way down. So uh, this is another injury. So you have to train yourself to always stay relaxed have you ever had an injury yeah i uh i have had a few um like i've blacked out i don't really necessarily call that injuries because you know i you just sleep it off the next day you're good to die (laughs) so (laughs) it's not really that much of an injury uh but getting squeezed yeah you usually have to take one to two weeks out of the water and uh, yeah, you definitely need to take the time out of the water. That's the key thing. Now, is there something is there something physiologically different about you that allows you to do this, or do you just have the mental fortitude and the will to do it? I mean, could 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 anybody essentially just say, "I'm going to start doing this," and they could start doing it? I'm just like anyone else. Like I played sports, but uh, my girlfriend, who's also a free diver, she actually never played any sports. And uh, she's like now diving 70 meters, uh, 75 meters. So um, I believe anyone's capable of doing this sport. Um, Getting trained is the key thing. Uh, Taking these courses, like I learned, the person who I took my courses from, uh, the owner of FI, uh, Martin Stepanek, he's a a 13-time world record holder. He's the person who I started training with. So uh, he has a degree in physiology. As we progress in our freediving, we have to change our physiology. And uh, this is something that everyone is capable of doing. Change your physiology. What do you mean by that? Uh, You have to become more flexible in the thoracic area or you you can expand your lungs. You can compress your lungs even more. You can change your residual volume, and this is all done by uh, certain breathing exercises and stuff. Like in our more advanced courses, uh, we go into diving on exhales so we can simulate much deeper pressures, but uh, it does become more dangerous, so you have to know what you're doing and have the proper safety and understanding of your physiology before doing those type of things. You said now... you're 102. Is that a national record, a world record, or what is that? That's the U.S. national record. I mean, so for constant weight, which is uh, kicking down with a monofin and kicking back up. I looked. I did a little bit of research, and I saw that there's a bunch of different kinds and categories. Is there 
a reason for all of these different kinds and categories or are people just kind of inventing something and like, well, I'm going to be the person in the world who can dive deepest with one left fin? And I mean, is is there a difference there that I don't understand? There's um, There was three main disciplines. Now there's four. These have been the main disciplines uh, for many, many years, for the last 10 years. Um and this is all most competitions nowadays are all constant weight diving, uh, meaning you have to dive down with the same amount of weight as you come up with. And then there's just no fins. There's free immersion, which is pulling down the line, pulling back up the line. There's constant weight with fins. So those are just the three main disciplines, uh, that we have in free diving. And, uh, yeah, it depends on what your specialty is. So some people specialize in different disciplines. Like if uh, you grew up a swimmer or something, you may specialize in no fins, which the depth is usually a little bit shallower because it's uh, you know more difficult to dive with no fins on. And then free immersion, you know, uh, for those who have really long breath holds and stuff, uh, but maybe not as good of technique. Maybe a free immersion might be good because you're just pulling down a line pulling back up the line and then there's kicking down with fins which is uh the one that i specialize in just because i've been kicking fins and spear fishing and stuff so i'm just used to kicking fins so uh that's the discipline that i prefer how much of a difference in terms of depth is there between those i mean is one like 60 meters and another's a thousand or how much of a difference are we talking about Oh, so uh, the current world record for no fins is, I think, 101 meters by William Trubridge. Um And then Alexei Molchanov, he's uh, the current world record holder in constant weight with monofin and free immersion. Uh, he did 130 meters with the monofin and 125 meters with free immersion. So those are the three main disciplines in depth. And yeah, so they're only like you know, 20 meters or a few meters apart. So, so you at 102, I mean, can you get, can you get that record? Uh, maybe eventually I'm still young. So I'm only 31 years old. So hopefully, uh, in a couple of years more of training, I can, uh, get myself adapted to a little bit deeper pressures. And maybe once, uh, uh, I do that, you know, give it, a, give it a try to dive those depths. For somebody, for somebody listening who hears 102 and then 130, I mean, that doesn't sound like a crazy difference, but is that a is that a massive difference? It's a hundred feet. So. Oh shit! It is, isn't it? Okay. Yeah, it's feet when you're already at 300 feet, so um, yeah, it's quite a bit of a difference. Uh, or 330, you know. So. <laughs> Yeah, the, I forgot about the whole meter is not just one foot thing for a second there. I was like, oh, that is a big difference, isn't it? What is the best underwater movie? Uh, that's an easy one, actually. Uh, there's this movie called Le Grand Blue or The Big Blue. It's a cult freediving film of two competitive freedivers, Jack Mayle and Enzo Mallorca, and they compete uh, in competitive freediving, seeing who can go the deepest. It's a really good film. Uh, and these competitor, uh, competitive freedivers actually are real, um, but they're just actors in the movie. I thought for a second when you said, yeah, it's easy, I thought you were going to go Finding Nemo. Oh. <laughs> no. 
So every free diver has watched the Big Blue or Le Grand Blue. So if you haven't, definitely want to go out and watch. What is what is the best free diving joke? A lot of free divers tend to be uh, big into drinking beer. So uh, they use it as training for nitrogen narcosis, maybe. <laughs> I don't know, something that's, like that. That's the way it works? That's the part of the training process is just drinking beer? Yeah. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I think so. Have you ever just, like for your training, do you ever just try to accomplish something like you're going to go to the grocery store and say, I'm going to take one breath and see if I can get through the whole grocery store? <laughs> no, i probably pass out and fall face down on the ground and then someone have to help me in the grocery store. <laughs> You've never tried to like, I'm going to see if I can put away all the dishes in one breath or anything like that? Uh, not too much. Um, I used to, you know, as a little kid, I remember trying to hold my breath in the bathtub or something like that. But, I mean, you know, we, I don't really focus on uh, extending my breath hold all that much in my uh, free diving. Now, I, you, I know that you work as an instructor, <laughs> but can you make a living just off of free diving? With, oh, just off of competitive free diving? Yeah, like could, but just by sponsorships. Could you make a living doing that? Maybe some are. Uh, maybe the best in the world are. Uh, I'm still a little bit away from that. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure. It's really difficult at the moment for any competitive freediver. As this, in the media's eye, freediving is actually a very new sport uh, because we, you know, no one could ever watch. A person's entire dive until this a few years ago uh, when the dive eyes started coming about and we have this drone that's able to follow us all the way down so that people can watch our entire dives everything that we do um, so a sport that you know was never really visually appealing just become became very visually uh, visually appealing uh, so I think freediving is actually on the rise. It's increasing hugely, especially in the last couple of years. So hopefully, uh, you know, some bigger sponsors and stuff will actually start taking notice of this and freediving becomes much more popular. You live in Hawaii, right? How many people do you meet that think Hawaii is actually just one island? Um. <laughs> uh, Quite a bit. I get a lot of messages of people who want to come to Hawaii and maybe take my courses. They just go, we're coming to Hawaii, and then I have to message back, okay, what island are you coming to? So, uh, yeah, I'm sure uh, a lot of people uh, don't realize that Hawaii is made up a bunch of little islands. Does it I live on the big island, so I live on the main island, or the biggest island of Hawaii. But that, that's Oahu, right? <laughs> No, that's it's uh, called the Big Island. So uh, I live in Kona on the Big Island. So there's Kona and Hilo. Those are the two main uh, cities. There's an island called the Big Island of Hawaii. So see, that's why everybody gets confused though, because I feel like when people say I live on the Big Island, we assume that's Honolulu. Yeah, Honolulu is actually or Oahu is a, a very small island. Um, it only takes like maybe two hours to drive around the whole island where big island it, it takes you like a day and a half to, or a whole day to drive around the 
the big island. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that this is your guys' <laughs> fault for confusing everybody else. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not from Hawaii, unfortunately. I'm from California, so. Close enough, still catching the blame. <laughs> um, so, hey, what what do you got coming up? Like, what's what's the next big thing coming up for you? Uh, my girl, well, my girlfriend's actually going to Mexico for the Zabalba competition, and then when she comes back, we're going to the Philippines together. Um, there's the Asian Freediving Cup there so that's we've started training for that and uh, i think that's towards the beginning of june oh cool is now have you are are you already thinking about a certain number yes i want to improve the depth that i dove last year which was 102 meters um so i've been preparing myself and training to go much deeper um it's difficult for me to actually train at those depths uh, 100 meters or so um just because like where we train the max depth of our little bay is only like 80 to 85 meters so i basically have to prepare myself as much as possible so that when i go to these competitions where they have really good safety and uh, everything i need doctor on you know on the platform pure o2 when it's all there i'm ready to start progressing in my depth when I get there. So I usually arrive like maybe three weeks before the competition to start training and acclimating myself to uh, the deeper pressures. Oh, wow. What's that like to just kind of go 80 feet or 80 meters below the surface and just walk around on the bottom of the ocean? I don't necessarily walk around on the bottom of the ocean. So I, uh, I sort of just make my dive down I turn around and come back up most of the time. Well, I have spent some time, you know, uh, hanging down at 70 meters or so, but you can't spend too long down there. Our bodies aren't meant to hang out at that depth for long periods of time. Are you are you shocked at how little I seem to know about free diving? No, actually not. Um, most people still don't really know what free diving is. Sometimes when I tell people I'm a free diver, I get okay. Well, good luck in life. I'll probably see your newspaper, you know, your name in the newspaper soon, or something <laughs> like that. So, uh, or people think I'm scuba diving or something like that. So, yeah, uh, free diving is very, very small sport. It's a niche sport, and you know, uh, all the competitors we all know each other. So, I mean. It, it's really, really small sport. Did I, maybe it was just a picture that I saw on your Instagram, but you don't do any kind of cave diving or anything, do you? I do. Uh, so usually not at very deep depths, but uh, I like to go to the cenotes in Mexico, uh, which are really cool caves, and we did some free diving there. Uh, we were doing some video inside some of the cenotes, and it looks like, well, you basically swim back into the cave and uh, they lit the cave up and we were uh, doing some cool things there. Um, but yeah, the cenotes are just like, uh, a cenote is basically the land has dropped off. There's underground rivers all over Mexico and the land will just fall off and it'll create like a pit or like a hole. And 
some of these cenotes can be 200 feet deep or 200 feet long. So each cenote is different, and there's thousands of them in Mexico. So it's like endless exploring over there. It's really cool. And then we have some lava tubes here in Hawaii that are cool to explore, but mostly at shallow depths. That, I mean, that to me seems <laughs> incredibly dangerous, or at least for me, that like that would scare the shit out of me. Because can't you get lost easily? We don't go that far. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's a small cave or, uh, you know, we go 100 feet back or something, not too much more than that. Huh. Anyone would be interested in taking a freediving course in Hawaii, I do teach here on a weekly basis. And uh, my website is deepfreediving.com. Or you can add us to uh, check out you know, some of our cool pictures and videos on Instagram, which is also deep free diving. I want to thank Daniel so much for joining us. If you want to connect with him, we have linked to him on our social media accounts. We're profoundly pointless on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. His Instagram is fascinating. It's amazing to see him do these dives, and it's also really cool to see all of the different places that he goes to where they have these competitions. Also, if you want to learn how to free dive, if this is something that you think you would be interesting in, we have a link to how you can do it on our RSS feed. You can connect with Daniel there. He'll teach you all the stuff that you need to know. You have to be, remember, you've got to be in Hawaii, specifically on the big island. I think this is a really good time for us to mention our Game of Thrones contest that we have going on because this is really the last chance that you're going to have to enter. All you have to do, go over to profoundlypointless.com, pick what you think is going to happen in the last season of Game of Thrones, and then if you end up winning, you could win as much as $500. Okay, so now let's go ahead and give John Shaw a call, and I have a lot of questions for him. Questions that I think require deep philosophical answers that I'm sure he will not be able to provide in any way. Hello? If you go to the grocery store and you've got like a ridiculous amount of one item, like let's say you've got six different kinds of Hot Pockets, right? You go there and you buy, like you're buying five two liters. Do you say anything? Do you make any kind of a joke? Or do you just kind of like just sit there or what do you do? Because I always want to say something like, man, really liking, really liking soda this week, but I never do. I can't really add anything to that because I, I don't I don't buy like several of one item usually. I can tell you that it annoys the shit out of me going to a place like Costco where you see somebody that has like 20 pounds of brown rice. And it's like, why do you need 20 pounds of brown rice? Well, it doesn't go bad and it saves you money. The real question would be, why are you not buying that? Because I don't need, I don't, first off, I don't have the, the place to store 20 pounds of brown rice. It's Secondly, not that big of a thing. It's not a fucking elephant. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Well, how do you you're not have the space to store it? I don't understand that. That doesn't make sense to me. 20 you're pounds. You're telling me that, that you're the kind of person, you of all people, are okay with somebody going to Costco and, and getting a, a a hundred count of Hot Pockets when you only need 12 maybe for a month. Yeah, I mean, if that's what they sell it in, but I think that you're exaggerating the proportions to try and prove a point that doesn't exist. The proportions aren't that much. I mean, if you're buying 20 Hot Pockets at one time, there's nothing wrong with that. 
I don't see why you have an issue with it. No, I mean, wait, are you getting the generic ones? Are you getting real hot pockets? I I couldn't even tell you. I mean, I I think I used to get the designer, not designer. (laughs) Whoever isn't Hot Pockets its own company, its own brand. Yeah, it's its own brand. Yeah, I used to get hot pockets. Can you cook them properly, or did you have a nuclear nuclear hot on the outside, freezing cold on the middle? That's why that's why they suck because unless you do them in a toaster oven, which nobody ever does. I have a toaster oven. Of course you do. But for the rest of us normal people, you burn the shit out of your tongue or your mouth, and then by the time you get to the middle, it's like a fucking ice cube. <laughs> yeah, they are basically impossible to cook. So you you don't say anything. But we'll, look, let me ask you this then along those lines. Will you make an awkward joke when you can if even you if, – if you're the only one who thinks it's going to be funny? Of course. <laughs> I probably – I probably make more awkward jokes that I, you know, that I'm the only one who thinks funny than than anybody else. I mean, I, I was in that situation on Thursday night as me and the wife were at our parenting group, and it was like dad's. It was CPR night, baby CPR night. So like they teach you about it, but they take the women and the and the men separately. So like I I was in a room with like eight other dads who I've never met before. And I made a couple of jokes that I thought were hilarious, and no one else found them funny. <laughs> did they even give you? Did you even get a courtesy laugh, or did you get the look and that's it? I got. I I think during one of the jokes, I got like the like the weird hipster head nod from like the one guy from California. What were the jokes? What was the joke? So there was a guy from Colorado, and he was talking about skiing and and blah blah blah. You know, and he's. There's another guy there, and he's talking about it, and, you know, so I, I bring up, you know, just trying to join the conversation. I'm like, oh, have you guys ever heard of Banff, you know, National Park or whatever? And the guy's like, oh, yeah, I've heard of it, but I've never been. And he's like, have you been? And I'm like, no, my, my body type, I'm not the biggest skier or, or snowboarder. Really what happens is I, I go to go down, and I kind of just start tumbling over. And... <laughs> And that's that's when he was like, "Oh, cool, man. All right." And I was like, "That was fucking hilarious." And none of you dickheads got it. So yeah, they just they weren't putting they weren't picking up what you were putting down. But see, we've Not had this all. we've had this interaction between you and me at the at the first time we met. You come on a little strong. I think that's the problem that when you have social interactions like the first time, like the first time that you said something to me, I was like, "Oh, this guy's an idiot." I don't. I don't even remember our first conversation. I always thought that you were a terrible reporter and wondered how you were in in the 14th biggest market. Number one, it was 19th. That's incorrect information. But I, I remember it because you were like, "I'm going to give you a nickname," and I just thought, "Oh, this guy's an idiot." Well, now look at it. I know. Maybe you're just not, slow to come around to people. Maybe that's your issue. You know, I, I just don't give a shit. Take me for who I am, or go fuck yourself. Ooh. Can I tell you my awkward joke that no one laughed at but I thought was hilarious? Yes, I hope so. So I went to go and have my newest son, Riley, who's about five weeks, got him circumcised. And two of the doctors... (laughs) I love where this is going already. So I went to the place to get him circumcised, and there's two doctors there. And one of them was named Peck, and one of them was named Johnson. So I made the joke... So is Peck cutting the pecker or is Johnson slicing the Johnson and no one <laughs> nothing. I mean, I would have done the same thing, but except I probably would have tried to come off with something clever like that. 
and I would have just butchered it. So I give you props for trying to to do it. I went for it, and nobody, nobody, nobody took the bait whatsoever. And I had that stupid look on your face, like when you think it's going to be really funny, that like <laughs> look, and then you just <laughs> your soul is crushed. Anyway, so I want to ask you. Speaking of like awkward situations, okay. So I, I know you're not this person, but what do you feel about the kind of person? It could be a man or a woman, doesn't matter. Who uh, say you can be in a class, you can be at a grocery store, or whatever. But like they just ask the stupidest question, and they're and they're serious. For instance, say say you're at the grocery store and you're looking at the milk, and someone comes up to you and goes, uh, "Is is is this where the milk is? Like, what 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 do you do in that situation? Do you acknowledge them and say, "Oh yes, here it is," or do you?" not say anything or do you just you know walk away and say wow that person probably isn't the brightest bulb so i'm a kind and caring and forgiving person i i i i generally think that people say things like that because they don't really know what else to say Right. And I think there's a lot of situations where any question that somebody asks you, if you want to, you can make them look like an idiot. Right. Any, any question that someone asks you, you could make them look stupid. It's just a matter of how you approach it. So I think people ask those kind of questions. And I just think it's like they didn't know what else to say. You, you have a body type that would allow you to block the milk pretty easily. So maybe they were just going to like, Instead of Remember saying that part of what you being kind and polite, I am being kind. I says, no, I'll, no, I'll, all no I'm saying will, is you have a body no type. You have a body type that would allow you to block the milk. And maybe they were instead of saying, hey, chunky trunks, why don't you get out of the way? The chocolate milk and ice cream is down the aisle. They said, is this where the milk is? See what I'm saying? See, you're not kind of polite. OK, <laughs> what about if you're at a parenting class and you're doing CPR on a baby with, uh, do, have you ever done the CPR baby classes? No. I don't put right, my well, child in situations baby, where they would die. Well, that's, <laughs> that's fair. The, the babies have like this little, pla- this little plastic thing on their mouth that you can breathe into. And it's, it's there as a sanitary measure, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, one of these knuckleheads, she, you know, she's teaching us and she goes, okay, you do it. The guy goes, uh, should I remove the plastic if it's over my baby's mouth at home? <laughs> what a dumb shit. I mean, I got nothing, but that, you know, <laughs> she, the, the instructor, like, I don't even know. I you don't even know what, what said, to say. I was once, to tell a quick story, I was once that I was covering a story in which a guy had been hit by lightning and he was in the hospital. He was still alive. So they have all the doctors that are treating him at this press conference and they're talking about the situation and all this kind of stuff. And this one reporter asks, well, what's the worst case scenario that could happen to this guy? And the doctor just kind of goes, well, he could die. And the reporter's follow-up question is, (laughs) Well, what, I mean, but what's worse? <laughs> well, no, nothing would be worse than dying. I mean, well, that, that, that's basically it. I mean, I don't know what, I, that's people, I think people just, they have a different thought process. I mean, some people are just stupid, right? Like what percentage of the number, what percentage of people that you've met in your life would you say, okay, that person is just plain stupid? Nick, I'm a kind and, and passionate person. <laughs> 
So I'm gonna say that that I, I just don't assume someone's stupid. Yeah, but who? What percentage of people that have pr- in your life have proven <laughs> that they're just stupid? Like I know a couple of people off the top of my head that I would say, you know, that they're just dumb. They're just they're just dumb. I don't know. Five to ten percent of people in my life probably are pretty ignorant. No, I'm not talking about ignorant. I'm talking about stupid. Uh, I, I I don't know. I I, I I honestly can't think of one person in my life that is like just stupid. I can think of, I would say probably 10 to 15% of people I know that I would say that person is just dumb. They're just, they're just dumb. I mean, am I going to ask them to be part of my trivia team? No, <laughs> but, but I don't know if that makes them dumb. John's fast five. Pew, 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 pew. John's fast five. Pew, 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 John's fast five. This isn't going to work while he's out awake. You know that, right? Do you have a top five or a fast five? What's the deal? No, we. I thought we came up with like people like the, the our top fives and they like us interacting, even though I've been told several weeks in a row that you're you're too mean to me. Uh, and you're not a kind and pleasant person. Uh, that's not true. Especially, I, I. It's funny what people talk to me about who listen that I or like you know that I see every day who talk to me about the podcast. I have to admit, some people were not uh, were not fans of you hating on me because I have a landline. <laughs> Did they also have a landline though? Yes. Their opinion's not relevant then in that case. Of, of course it is. They 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 actually live life with a landline. They have just a landline? How old are they? 50 or younger? No, no, no. They don't have just a landline, but they do have a landline. How old are they? Oh, uh, well, one's in the in their 30s, and then two are 50s to 60s. Okay, so 50s and 60s, you get a pass on the landline, right? If you're over, if you're over 50, I think you can have a landline. That's fine. If you're in your 30s, though, I don't see the point of a landline, specifically if you're paying for it outside of, like, a bundle situation. Like, I just – you're in the meeting at, at, at Cox or whoever the cable provider is, and you're just, you know what, but I'm really concerned about not having a landline. That's just I, – I don't understand. Have you uh, have you had a lot of dealings with Cox in your life, Nick? I have. I mean, I've actually dealt with Cox on multiple occasions. Um, one of the things that I really like about dealing with Cox – is if you come back hard on Cox, they'll usually come back a little bit softer and lower your price, and you won't have to pay as much to get more Cox. Yeah, I uh, I have Comcast now, but when I was uh, in Florida, you know, traveling around, uh, you know, the Cox was always there for me. They gave me really good rates, and uh, they were just uh, you know almost like a like a little brother to me. I mean, would you go? I mean, would your number one choice be Cox? No, God no. In terms of cable providers? No. Well, well I don't know what you were talking about, but yeah. No, I, I, I like Comcast a lot better, though You're... I think – I do you have cable? I do and I don't. It's a hard – okay, so basically I have cable because it provides the internet, but I do not have cable channels. Does that make sense? Like I don't have Discovery, right. TNT, anything like that. Right. I, I see. Yeah, we – the wife and I were actually thinking about doing that until we realized that internet was still going to be seventy five bucks for us. Yeah, they realized that internet is really that that that's how they get so, you. What so what's the they, point? You know, what what are we talking about? Let, let me ask you a question. If if you 
say say you had to make a choice between living your life with three people who are just absolute assholes to you forever or three people who are just stupid as hell for the rest of your life who are you picking depends what kind of situation we're in if we're in something where like if we were on a stranded island and trying to get off of it then you would want the the smarter assholes. But if you were just going to like, hey, you're in this place and you're going to live with stupid people, I, I would take the stupid people. I mean, being I, – I think that stupid people are much happier in life. I think, they're, I think their lives are great. Well, because they don't have an understanding of what's going on around them. Well, I think so. I think they just cruise through life. How do you think that blind people masturbate? <laughs> assume uh, just the the audio portions of uh whatever they're listening to you think that's enough i i, I would think if, if you're blind what, what other options do you have i guess that's a good point i mean i guess you could go by feel maybe they have somebody like describing what it what he or she feels like or looks like i feel like that's just awkward if, if someone's there describing her or assisting you why aren't they just helping you physically well, but you're by yourself, because otherwise it wouldn't be considered, you know, self-pleasure if you, somebody was there with you. Oh, I see. Like, you're talking about, like, if somebody was, like, on the, uh, like, talking to you or something, like, through the, I got it. Never mind. I understand what you're saying. What were you, what were you thinking before? Like, somebody would be sitting there, like, in just, the room, getting, you know. <laughs> just giving them a play-by-play? <laughs> yeah, something like that. This is one of those things that I feel like the more you think about it, the more confused that you get. Can I ask why this is even a question? Like, what, what, what spawned this just, upon? Just a thought? Just a thought that I had? You know, we've been doing this almost a year now, and this is probably the most random question you've ever asked me. It's really something that you have to think about it, though, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, I've never thought about it, but now that I am thinking about it, uh, it, it, I, I, th- I, I have a lot of questions anyways regarding if you're blind. What do you mean if you know? you're blind? Like if you're blind, like, I mean, how, you know, how, I know they, they have canes and things to walk, but like, how do you actually sense like where a curb is? Well, I think that they you know have I mean? the, they have the seeing eye dogs and then they have the stick that they use. I mean, I would imagine you just have to adapt. Like you just got to figure it out. Like Braille, you know, like I always wondered, like, wouldn't that be the most tedious thing, being blind and using the Braille scale to, to read? Well, they probably figure it out pretty well. I mean, I, I would, I, I see what you're saying in the sense, like, I wonder if they can read as fast as somebody else can read. I would think that just from a logistical standpoint, they wouldn't be able to just because it would take more time. I mean, I think we've, a- we've asked each other this question before as to, you know, it, if you had, if you you know had to keep one sense, or, or you know what would it be? And I would not want to lose my sight. No, I think sight would probably be last for everybody. We got five senses, right? Yeah, five senses. Give me your five to one. Uh, hearing. You would lose hearing before smell. I think so. Yeah. Wow. Why? No. Because I mean, uh, I mean, it's not like I do this. Often, but you know, I I think the world can be interpreted, you know, differently through smell and through hearing. And I just think I'd rather lose hearing before smell first. Okay, all right. Because you know, I mean, I I mean, you're gonna lose the ability to smell things like you know the flowers, a bonfire in the summer, 
you know, stuff like that. I mean, that's just... When's the last time you put your nose into the flowers and, like, smelled them? I don't. I it's doubt you I ever put my done that. Nose in the flowers, but like, because I live in an area where things bloom, not like where you live, where everything is either dead or dries to death. You've obviously uh, never been to the actual desert. This is blooming right now. But anyway, so you've got you're going to lose hearing first, then smell, then what? And then uh, and then I'll go. Then I'll go touch, taste, and then obviously sight. Hmm. I would lose smell. Well, I don't know if you remember this or not, but I do not have a sense of smell. Uh, You've so always said that, which is why the third time that we ever hung out, you were uh, you were eating uh, just a, basically a big pile of dog poop that you thought was chocolate pudding. Which is fine. I mean, look, it, look. I'll tell you what, not having a sense of smell saves you a lot of money on food because you just don't <laughs> care. You can get the cheapest thing that you want, and it's basically the same as the good stuff. But I would go smell, taste hearing and touch i could switch either way and then but yeah last would definitely be vision i think last would definitely be vision you know you open up with the question of you know how does a blind person master i mean that's that's the one reason why i wouldn't wouldn't want to lose my sight you know <laughs> for rosy palm purposes only i, I already need like uh, you know a flare gun to find it if i'm <laughs> blind i'm definitely never gonna find it how how far down are you going to use like the ketchup or the last in something are you going to get the absolute end of it or are you going to give up with like 10 percent left no so we had we had that similar situation with ranch we made some chicken tenders and some vegetables i don't even know what the hell she made but anyways and if it gets down to a certain point to where you squeeze the bottle and it sounds like you know it's busting ass i i give up on it as where my wife will like flip it over and like you know it could be an hour it could be two days but like she's gonna get everything out of that bottle but as soon as i start squeezing it and i hear like it you know start to make that fart noise or that bubble noise i just move on time to move on i agree i think that's the better way to do it because how much look unless you're paying a thousand dollars for that bottle what are you saving you're gonna get the last four cents out of it like get rid of the fucking thing (laughs) i always equate it to uh you know Say you have a like a you're drinking a beer, and you get down to you know you've you've been drinking the beer for maybe like a half an hour at room temperature, and you get down to like the last two sips, and it's that really nasty watery bullshit. Well, it's all spit. Yeah, uh, well, maybe, but like, do you do you, do you drink it? No, it's I the same thing. I this is this is a thing where I have an issue with you. I finish my drinks. I don't leave half of it in there like you do. If I'm gonna get a drink, I'm gonna drink the drink. I'm gonna finish it. That's what you're supposed Wait, to do. I don't leave half my drink in there. Uh, there's multiple people who have complained throughout your life that you notoriously do not finish drinks. Well, there's been more people in your life complain. <laughs> well, actually, they might not be the smartest people if they get talked into doing a grab RNA shot. But <laughs> either way, yeah, no, I That's, think. But I'm on your side. With, I'm on your side with the thing. Like I'll. I'm going to give it, once it hits the fart noise place, I'm going to give it maybe three to four taps. Depending on what it is, I might turn it upside down and see if I can get a little bit out of it. But I'm not going to be sitting there for a week, like, trying to put water in it and get the last amount out of it. That's a waste of time. It's like, uh, you know, I don't know if if you follow me on on Facebook, but uh, I, I woke up this morning, I was doing some cleaning, and I'm like, something smells like it's fucking dying in my house. 
And I'm looking around, I'm looking around, and like a half an hour later, I'm by the sink, and my wife's trying to, like, regrow green onions. What do you mean regrow green onions? You, you know you know, you chop up a green onion, right? All the way down to, like, to the, to the stem. I honestly don't know what a green onion even looks like. Jesus Is that a regular Christ. onion? No, it's, uh... Like, you know what a shallot is? No. Why the no, fuck would I know what a shallot is? I, you, aren't you from Kansas? Well, what does that have to do with knowing what a shallot is? No, like, you don't even know what a green onion looks like? Well, I'm assuming it's a green onion, but I honestly can't picture it in my mind. I thought there was only one color of onion, like the red onion. I didn't know that there was multiple kinds of onions. No, boy. Where are you guys shopping at? You shopping at the fancy place? Dollar General. Don't you fucking hate on Dollar General. I'm not. Okay, what's a shallot then? A shallot is is a uh, it's it's a lighter it's a smaller onion and it's like light it's like light color it's like a it's like a white onion but it's a smaller version. Yeah, I don't picture it at all. Anyway, what's your point? She's trying to like resave the green onion. That's yeah, the- she's trying to regrow it, and it's like this is about the 18th time she's tried to do that now. And, you know, it, it hasn't really worked yet, but now it's going to stink up her house and I'm going to have to deal with it. Like I've had to for the last five years while she tried to regrow green onions and a fucking beaker by our wire sink. Yeah, that's a waste of time. What are you saving I, with that? Just move on. Here, though, here's my other question. When you run it down, will you put that item back into the fridge for somebody else or will you actually throw it away? Oh, I'll put, I'll put it back. Yeah, you put it back in the fridge and see if something that's, – that's right. We're, we're the same mindset here. I will purposely – if I am like drinking something, whatever it is, and I know I'm about to finish it, I will purposely not finish it so I can put it back in there. Well, so here, here's what's going to determine this whole conversation is uh, I believe it was this week Kraft came out with their new thing, uh, the mayonnaise and ketchup. Yeah, it's also called Big Mac sauce. <laughs> Anyways, would you would you buy that? No, I'm not gonna. No, why would I buy that? Also, it's not mayonnaise and ketchup. It was wait, wait, was it mayonnaise and ketchup or was it ranch and ketchup? Oh, you're right, you're right. It was because it, it was called cranch. Yeah, That's cranch. Right, right, right. Okay, so ranch and ketchup. You're right. No, I wouldn't what? buy that because then you still need to buy ketchup and ranch. It's just much easier to buy ketchup and ranch <laughs> and then mix those together if you want. I want to see the person who's so lazy that they're like, well, I've got the ketchup and I've got the ranch, but if only there was some way I could easily combine the two of these so that I didn't have to do this and they need this bottle. Like if you have ketchup, ranch, and cranch, that's fucking ridiculous. Where, where, you know, speaking of the Fast Five, where, where have, you know, the did you knows gone? Oh, I've got a couple of them, but you haven't given me like an awkward thing where I needed to feel time yet. Usually you oh. say something where I don't know what to do, so that's why I have to do it, so I've been waiting for that. Well, where are we? Man, well, we're well into a half an hour already. So I know. Be, well, we did you... be rocking it out. Did you know that Jupiter has 79 moons? The largest of those moons, Ganymede, is actually bigger than the planet Mercury. Hmm, interesting. That's all you got. <laughs> Not one person that would be listening to this cares about... Jupiter's moons. Well, we did a thing about the box turtle. Why would you care more about the box turtle and less about Jupiter? I'm sorry. I just, I mean, we're going to get back on this again, but it's like dinosaurs to me. How many people actually give a shit about space? 
Well, everyone, basically. You, what are you talking about? How do you not? Who doesn't care about space? Who's ever been like looked up and thought, nope, don't care about that? I mean, it's not that I don't care, but I mean, I'm I'm never going to go up there. How do you know? I'm never going to be an astronaut. Yeah, you got a couple of things holding you back in that regard. <laughs> As my father used to tell me when I was probably ten years old, well, you're never going to be an astronaut because you're too fat already. <laughs> <laughs> an astronaut <laughs> I remember the three an astronaut a skydiver and a scuba diver he always told me I'll never be any of those three because I was too fat why why couldn't you be a scuba diver though I mean you just gotta float there because you wouldn't put in a wetsuit my father on because he could tell you better but I think it was always something to have to do with the uh, you know the air tank and I would breathe too heavy and I wouldn't be able to stay under for very long I mean, you are a heavy breather. I will give, I will, I will agree with that. Uh, your father, he's got a point that you probably would use like an hour long scuba tank in about 15 minutes, but. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it happens. Wait, don't, I, I feel like you told me a ridiculous theory that you have about space. I mean, I don't really have any ridiculous theories. I just. You like didn't believe in it or something? It's not, it's not that I don't believe in space, but it, it is. For me, it is along the same lines of, like, dinosaurs. I mean, you know, there's been what? If you had to guess, 50 manned missions into space ever? Uh, Probably a lot more than that, but uh, let's just go along with your point. I I mean, I'm just saying, and what have we really, like, fucking ever discovered? Well, I mean, Tang, for one. Which is amazing. And we also have Velcro from the space program. But, but I'm not what are you saying, trying like, to find? Like, if you just go, you, so if you were the, leading the space agency, you would just go into space. You go up there, like, oh, nothing here. Let's just cancel this whole thing. Like, it's a process. No, I. That's not at all what I would say. However, I understand there's monetary, you know, concerns and blah blah blah. But I mean, it's like the ocean, like. You know, they say we still haven't, you know, we've only explored like 6% of the ocean or whatever. I mean, who knows what's up there? Who knows if it's even what we think it is? So then what's your your alternative? Just not do anything? Stay home, play I mean, PlayStation? Fucking, you know, get some of these stupid people up there, strap their asses in the rockets and see how many pictures they can draw. <laughs> You know what? Maybe you have a great point. Maybe we've been doing this all wrong. Like, we've been sending smart people into space, and we really need to be sending the stupid people. I mean, send the convicts up there. What else are they going to do? Yeah, this is – you might you may have hit something. Like, we just need to start launching dumb people into space and see yeah. what happens. Exactly. That's the best way to put it. See what happens. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean. Some of these people who who murder people and go to jail forever are not idiots, right? They're no quite intelligent. So why not strap their asses together into a space shuttle and send them on their way to Mars? Here's a that's a good question in the sense that, like, okay, let's say something happened. Let's imagine that you somehow killed three people, and they came to you and you're like, "Look, here's your choice." You can stay in prison for the rest of your life, or we're going to put you in this rocket and just launch you into space, and wherever it goes is wherever it goes. <laughs> Which one are you doing? I mean, of course, well, I mean, I would have to see who they were going to be launching me with, but uh, 
No, that uh, you don't get a choice. That that's your only thing. Like you're like, look, spend your life in prison, get launched into space, and we don't know where you're going or what's going to happen. <laughs> I mean, of course, I would pick space. That's we may have hit on a brilliant idea to move society forward, we can solve <laughs> overcrowding in the prison system, and explore space at the same time. Well, you know, people would be able to tell that it was your and I shuttle uh, because. We're sponsored by Long John Silver. Heck so. yeah, the Long John Silver Space Shuttle, baby. The only space shuttle designed like a hush puppy. Are you ready for our top five, or what are you doing? I am excited for our top five, because I think I already know what your number one is. Well, I think everybody's number one is going to be this is going to be the same on this one. This, this I was, don't think so. This, for me, was a hard top five. Like, you could put a lot of stuff in there. I agree. Do you want to explain what it is first? So our top five is our top five marine animals. Now, just to be clear, this is any kind of marine, right? It can be a lake, it can be a river, it can be an ocean. Well, marine animal is water, so any kind of animal that lives in water, I don't think it makes a difference if it's a lake or an ocean or a river. It can't be your fucking backyard pool, though. That's fine. I was just I was just clarifying. Is the Loch Ness Monster on your list? No. Okay. All right. What's your number five? We're going to start off with, uh, you know, a tribute to a, to a movie star, and we're going to go a Killer Whale. How is that a tribute to a movie star? You ever seen Free Willy? Oh, yeah. Was he a Killer Whale? Jesus Christ. Yeah, I, did, I didn't know. I've never watched Free Willy. I just remember that poster, seeing it, and thought, nope, I'm out. It's, it's probably too scary for you, right? No, I just too lame. My number five is a manta ray. So I was gonna put. Uh, I, I was gonna. So let, let me ask you this: manta rays are are bigger, right? They're the bigger. Yeah, they're the biggest kind of ray. Okay, I was gonna put stingray on because it took out Steve Irwin, but I didn't. But yeah, manta rays. They're they're what like twelve, fifteen feet big. They're they're gigantic animals, right? They're twenty. Okay. Yeah, they're. They're they're huge. Um, good good contribution. They just glide right. They're, they just glide through the the ocean. They don't really have any purpose. No, they've got. I, mean, I don't know what they're doing, but they're doing something. I mean, they're just swimming around. I think they eat krill or whatever. I mean, I don't know. They look freaking sweet. Uh, my number four is the blue whale. Oh, I think that's too low on that list. I think that you got to put that higher. Mine's a little bit higher, but a good choice. I'm glad that it's on your list. My number four is a turtle. Any specific kind of turtle or sea turtle? See, so here's the thing about about how I feel about sea turtles or turtles in general. I feel if I had to put my like a list of my top overrated animals, they would be on my top five. You'd be have a turtle on overrated? Yeah, for sure. See, I would have dolphin on my top five. Dolphin is not on my top five at all, and I would put dolphin as a very overrated animal. I forgot about a dolphin, but I would have them have them on my top five anyways. You wouldn't? Okay. Would you have them on your overrated animal top five? Uh, probably not. I, I don't think so. I mean, but a turtle for sure, because you know I know they live to be three hundred years old or whatever. But I mean, they're just—I don't know. I, I've never gotten any joy out of anything involving a turtle. Well, I just think that they're kind of cool looking, and the very concept of them is just the sense that this is an animal that appears to be completely worthless, but somehow has survived for all this time. It must be doing something right. Yeah, they they fucking move like, you know, they just came out of a geriatric home. Well, I mean, they're quite fast in the, in the ocean. 
I bet you I could outswim one. <sighs> God. Okay, what's your number three? So my number three is an anglerfish. Oh, is that the one that's like at the very bottom of the ocean that's got the light on it? Yeah. That's pretty cool. I mean, it looks scary as hell. It does. I just, it does. It's like okay, all right. That's not. That's not on my list. I can't put it on there. I'm gonna agree with you. It's a cool animal, but I'm not gonna put it on there. I think actually, if I if I could just say like my top five like marine animals, like they would all. Truthfully, I think if I was doing a bias list, they would all be from like the bottom ocean bottom of the ocean like where you can't see because those animals down there are they look so badass yeah i some of them are kind of ridiculous my number three is a tie between an otter and a walrus Ooh, those are both solid uh see an otter i don't know otters otters i, I won't give you anything walruses are badass animals who i just feel like in the in the wild you know they just they just sit there, right, on the rocks. Yeah, they're just... They're, they're big-ass fangs, and they're like, listen, if you want to fuck with me, I'll beat your ass. They seem like they basically are the, 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 the fat guy of the animal world. Like, their life seems pretty pretty easy and legit. I mean, let, let's be honest. If they're at, you know, the grocery store, uh, someone's not asking them to move out of the way, and, and if they're blocking the milk. No, no. But they're probably... They're probably buying a lot of food, I would imagine. What's your number two? So my number two is a tie because it's the same kind of animal. But I have a uh, hammerhead shark and a great white shark. I, 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 that really makes me wonder what your number one is. It's probably going to be something stupid, I imagine. I don't honestly say – I don't see how you – my number two, I'll just give you my two and one right now. My number two is a blue whale, and then my number one is a great white shark. I don't see how it can be anything from the great white shark. It should almost be a given. To me, this is like the Taco Bell list, where it's such a dominant number one. There shouldn't even be a question. And the blue whale is the largest animal on Earth. So I don't see how that's that, that can be left off of anybody's list. Well, I mean, I you know, I've dominated you on our Facebook polls and our list. So maybe, maybe my bias towards my number one will, you know, get you some, some votes. Can I try to guess it? Can you give me one hint and see if I can guess it? Because I feel like it's going to be something obscure and stupid. Um, it is not obscure. Uh, is it the manatee? It is the manatee. <laughs> I mean, why? See, it's a for multiple reasons. It's basically uh, a walrus without the fangs. I don't see how you could have a manatee on there and not have a walrus. Though, I, I and mean, they get hit crazy. by fucking boats all the time. So. I'll give you credit. The walrus was a good one. I, I, I didn't think of a walrus, though. I like my top five. I'm not I'm not upset with the walrus. was a good pick, for sure. But manatees, like you just said, they're so fucking stupid and don't realize their surroundings <laughs> that they just get run over by boat propellers. <laughs> and then half the time, they just swim away. Yeah, they just kind of then they get hit. Well, they get some significant scarring, and I think some probably get killed. But I know what you mean. Like I remember covering stories when both of us worked in Florida of like the manatees swam the wrong way, and now the manatees are trapped. <laughs> I mean, I, I remember I was uh, I went on like a fishing excursion over in Brevard County uh, on in a river system, right? And I was with some buddies, 
and uh, we go by what we thought was a rock. So our, our, our guide stops the boat, and he's just nailing on this thing with, like, a wooden stick. <laughs> and, and after probably, like, I don't know, four minutes, and then he didn't tell us it was a manatee. So, I mean, he knew it was, but we, we had no idea. And, and finally, after, like, four minutes, we see this thing put its head up out of the water, and it just, like, grunts a little bit, and then just, like, slowly swims away. I mean, they just doesn't give a shit. The manatee just doesn't fucking care. They don't. They don't care, which is kind of why they're badass. I mean, it was really hard for me not to go the easy number one, which is the, the great white shark, right? But the manatee is it's it's just it's it's as badass in terms of just like it's I don't give a fuckness, and well, that I have to have respect for. I feel like though, if we were going to use our idea of shooting dumb people into space. The manatee would be the marine animal that we would then go ahead and shoot into space. <laughs> yeah, if we were I, shit, I think you were gonna pick like two sets of animals that you know to shoot into space would be manatees and sloths. Yeah, yeah, you don't really have to worry about them messing something up. It's not like they're gonna reprogram <laughs> the computer. What 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 marine animal would you trust the most? Like if you had to, if you were friends with one, which one would you trust the most? Well, I mean, you know, you kind of said it earlier, uh, which, you know, they're not on either of our top fives, but, I mean, dolphins are supposed to be some of the smartest marine animals. I don't know, man. I think they'd um, stab you in the back. I don't trust a dolphin. You know, I, I would love to think, like, you know, you could train an octopus or a squid. Also not trustworthy in my mind. Cause, but, but, I mean, they're badass animals. Yeah, um, but... Which one are you trusting? Like, it's you and a buddy. You got to go downtown and you got to get in a fight and you need this animal to have your back. Not in terms of physical, but just like, you you know, you can you can trust this animal. Because I feel like the dolphin would be like, yeah, I'm going, and then just watch you get your ass kicked. I mean, the killer whale would be a good one. They're vicious. Yeah, I could trust a killer whale. I, I could see that. I feel, like they're, I feel like they'd be loyal. Do amphibians count as marine animals? No, I don't believe so. Ironically, the penguin does not count as a marine animal. I didn't understand that, but it doesn't. All right, that's going to go ahead and do it for this episode of the Profoundly Pointless Podcast. I want to thank you guys so much for listening. If you get a chance, if you like the show, like, download, subscribe, share. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. We love hearing from you guys. Comment on social media if you want to. We're Profoundly Pointless on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also have our website, ProfoundlyPointless.com. Don't forget there, you can enter that Game of Thrones contest as well. Win as much as $500. Coming up on the next episode, um, I don't know. We'll see. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.